Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. As always, I am your host, Sal Bono. And on this episode, I am joined by someone who you've seen on Italian football TV. Please welcome to the show, agent and inter-supporter, Peter Corto. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Sal. Thank you for having me. I just got to air the grievance right off the bat. As a Milan fan, you officially marked the fifth inter-supporter I've had on this show. The team, <laughs> the team has thus far, your squad has thus far, the most fans that have ever appeared on Corva Mundial. So let's start at the top. How did you become an inter-supporter? Well, first, I want to say congratulations to Milan. So I guess <laughs> my coming on the show, you know, gave you that that uh, extra spring to get into the next round. So congratulations. And obviously for Serie A fans, it's good, and especially when you can you can beat the Premier League team. Uh, you know, it, it's always good as the underdog. But um, going to the question, I mean, Inter is it's a, it's a family thing. You know, my grandfather, uh, he's from Sicily, Canicati. We were talking before about it, and uh, you know, for for a lot of Sicilians, especially his I guess generation and and my father's generation, like there weren't any uh, Sicilian teams in the first division. So you always looked up to the Juventus, Inter, Milan, um, and it, and it just started from that. So like, you know the the games, uh, I, you know, like I have vivid memories of of being with my grandfather, you know, watching uh, just so they go with that. Everyone that knows the horn <laughs> play exactly, and uh, you know the the scent of of coffee, breakfast, um, and then I would remember you know getting picked up out of school to go to the Champions League uh, games. Well, obviously, we didn't go to the stadium, so we would go to the bar uh, or the coffee shop near nearby, near school. And uh, I would reek of smoke because back then you were allowed to smoke indoors. So uh, <laughs> I was a seven-year-old, you know, I guess uh, secondhand smoke-inflicted kid watching Inter. I don't know what's worse, right? <laughs> the I pain. Mean- <laughs> you officially recreated. You lived out actually, uh, little Cologero from a Bronx Tale, the scene where he's like running the numbers, the gangsters. Um, but uh, I'm not saying you were running numbers. I want to put that out there before anyone comes. Uh, you know, not. but no, you're just enjoying the match. Um, but it is, it's yeah, it was a completely different era back then. That's for sure. Um, so what's interesting though is that, as you said, your father and your grandfather are Sicilian. Inter is still the biggest team in Sicily. Like that, that team has got that island on lock. No matter how much you go to Palermo and you'll see Juve and Milan, and of course Palermo flags and the provincial sides, of course. But Inter is per capita the biggest team that has supporters in Sicily, which is unbelievable and truly amazing. That. They, that island still like will look up to that team. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, there's still an excellent side and such a historic and legendary side. For you though, like being as you said, your mother's uh, from Napoli or Napoli region. Your father's from uh, southern Sicily. Did you ever feel that Inter was your main side, and then maybe one of the provincial sides was almost sort of like a mistress, if you will, like sort of like <laughs> uh, you know. Like, the comare, right? Well, definitely, I guess. Um, more so Napoli, mm-hmm. um, because I would go often to Italy for in the in the summertime. And so a lot of my friends grow even though growing up, 
No one was really a Napoli fan. My cousins and my friends in, in my mom's town is Monte di Tragida. So it's a little, it's like 25, 30 minutes away from Napoli. So none of the kids were Napoli fans because my generation um, had Napoli in Serie B. Right. So at that point, you were rooting for the teams that were winning or the teams that were in Champions League at, at least. So, you know, there were a lot more Inter Milan fans. Then all of a sudden, in, in maybe a, in one summer when Napoli went up into Serie A, all those kids, 11, 12-year-old kids, ended up supporting Napoli. And then throughout, you know, you know, till now, Napoli has been a formidable side that, I mean, right especially this year, it's, it's Calcio Champagne, as, uh, yeah. as Antonio Ludo would, would mention on, on IFTV. So it's a beauty to watch. And, um, you know, really, I guess because I was, I was born here, I was raised in, in the United States. So whatever, you know, we have here, um, as far as the culture and the tradition of, of, of being Italian, is never right we live it through an american perspective so um what really for me at least what what i actually liked um about napoli was being able to watch the the maradona documentary and kind of understand what it meant to be napoli or the or the team napoli right against the power against the the top teams and being able to win the the scudetto the championship for the city. So I think there's there's probably nothing, you know, more beautiful than like your hometown team and you supporting that hometown team and they're the underdogs or they're never considered to be the the team to beat and finally being able to win. So um that obviously uh really really increased my appreciation for for Napoli and and you know, uh if I have to say like I'm a simpatizzante uh okay. Napoli. So I do I do support Napoli. Um uh and then within Sicily, sure, you know, Palermo, Catania, you know, all those teams that were in Serie A always wanted to have them, you know, on you know, in the in the top area, top, top region of, of Italy. Would I want them to beat Inter? No. That right. that that wouldn't happen. But um, you know, I always support the southern teams. For sure. It's it's interesting though, because as Southern Italians, you and I, or Southern Italian Americans, it is we we do get to not have two teams, but it 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 it's, tends to happen like that, um, and it's hard to explain to people because sometimes they don't get it, and it's just like, well, you know, when you're growing up in Palermo, which is my father's side, you know, which you know his is in City B, but his whole family is Juventine, and it's a whole other you know. Uh, a table of headaches right there but you can imagine but it's just that is that was always like the unifier aside from the national team like it was always just like all right well palermo did this this weekend and that's Mm -hmm. you know so it's always interesting to and hear that you're not isolated at least i wasn't you know and i know this is other friends of mine from sicily that have also said the similar thing uh funny enough about the maradona documentary with that asif kapadia has done um brilliant documentary if you've never seen it you all should but it had that us against the world mentality just to switch for a hot second you brought it up napoli this season and by the time this podcast airs the scudetto will be determined champions league will be determined so but at the moment as we speak napoli right now has that us against the world mentality more so than ever since maradon has left the team do you think that it's maybe 
because of the ghost of Maradona or maybe the amplification of like, cause if you want to get hyped and you play, you playing for that team, you watch that documentary, you're just going to want to die for that blue shirt. Do you think like that, like now we're living in an era of a post Maradona world that that plays a role into it. And that this idea that, you know what, we may not have the same amount of money as, in, I don't even know if Inter or Milan or Juve have money anymore, but we may not have this money. I don't know. <laughs> Let's but just like, say Man City. Let's say Man, Man City, City or, or PSG. PSG. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, those, those um, you know, very Instagrammable clubs, if you will. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do this and we're going to show them up. And they're doing it with a manager who is essentially a journeyman. So I, do you think like that all plays a role that like we could do this and this is the time to do it? Definitely. I think... I mean, to, to kind of answer the, the question the right way, there's, there's multiple factors for sure. What, how fitting is it that, you know, actually Maradona passed away last year, Argentina go on to win a World Cup, and, you know, Napoli should win the Scudetto uh, unless something dire happens. Like, they, they're going to win the Scudetto, and they deserve at least, uh, you know, need to. Um, but... You know, that obviously is amazing. The ghost of Maradona being able to make sure his two teams, you know, that that are so beloved in his heart win. Um, and then the us versus the world mentality, I think it just comes into the culture of the team, right? And the culture of, of the city where you're always looked to as this dangerous city, right. you know, caution, you know, even up until now, I mean, the teams that are the away side teams, have been telling their supporters to be careful going to Napoli. It's so dangerous. And, I mean, we live in New York, Sal. I mean, there's areas that we know to avoid. Right. And there's other areas that, you know, you can live and, and you're able to to do what you have to do. So it's just that you you, you paint Napoli in this bad light and it's not really the, the full truth. Um, so that us against them, us against the world, definitely works with, with Napoli. And I think all the players have bought into it. I mean, in the ah, start of the season, okay. yeah, in the start of the season, yeah. um, there was a lot of fans asking for De Laurentiis' head, okay? You got rid of Insigne. You get rid of Fabian Ruiz. You get rid of Koulibaly. You get rid of Ospina. Mertens, a fan favorite, is out. I mean, uh, who else? I, <laughs> but, like, all these guys that were so vital for this team, these are these are starting 11 players. We're not talking about the full roster, the guys right. that are starting in and out, you know, week in and week out, and you're getting rid of half of them, right? And what do you do? Uh, you get this guy, Kvaraschelia, <laughs> you know. Georgia, who, you get a center okay. back from Korea? And, it, and it, you know, but it shows that Napoli is a well-run club. Yep. Um, they might not have all the money in the world, and that's why – Potentially, you know, they haven't been able to reach the top, right? They haven't been able to win the the campionato, but they've they've always turned a profit, okay, mm-hmm. or at least been very healthy with their with their financial statements and their books. Um, you know, they sell players for a lot more than what they buy them at, mm-hmm. and you know, the team has always been up there, making Champions League and and playing a, a, a positive style of football. So. Um, you know, not to rant on, uh, you know, rant on about uh, Napoli, but the the this season has been spectacular, and I think the the players have have bought in, uh, believe in this Napoli team, 
And and really, what I what I love to see is that they're so engulfed engulfed in the culture. Yes. Right. You see, Quarashelia, Oshiman. You know, obviously, talk talk is cheap, but they've said this is the only team I want to play for in Italy. Like they've already mentioned making the move to to another league, and uh, it hurts obviously as a Serie A fan. But you know how beautiful is that? That's that's romantic. I feel that uh, your star player says, "Hey, if I win with Napoli, how can I ever think about going to any other team in Italy?" Especially when a team, when their star player Iguain years ago left to go <laughs> to the Evil Empire, you know exactly. My question for you: <laughs> I, I don't want to keep talking about Napoli either because I know that's not like the number one team. But did you brought up an interesting point? I want to get your perspective on it as an agent. You get someone like Caravaglia or Osimen or Kim, who just came, who, you know not Victor has obviously been with the squad for a while. Chucky mm-hmm. Lozano has been with the squad for a while, but. This is the year that they, Victor especially has exploded, all right? Mm-hmm. But you got Kim that just came in. And you have um, Caravaciela, who has just come on the season. As an agent, you see their value, obviously, fucking increase through the roof. Mm-hmm. Do you say to them, honor the contract? Or do you say, okay, let's cash in while the chips are hot and let's go see what Bayern or Real Madrid or Barca or City or United or... Chelsea because they buy everybody these days. Uh, let's yeah. go see what they can offer. Um, do you do you do that? Like, what like what kind of position does that put you in as an agent? Yeah, well, I mean, to give a, I guess a little insight as an agent, you're constantly working. There's no time where you're not reaching out to clubs and just talking with them and kind of kind of getting a feel, right? Um, so, like, especially when the player is hot you're if it's not you reaching out the teams are reaching out to you okay they're always going to understand want to understand the the situation what do you think this and that um so there's not a moment that even a player that is signed for for 10 years with a team that the agent isn't moving in in the background then you know everyone has a different style um if it was me i'm not you know i'm not necessarily um going to the player with every offer, every you know ta- time I'm speaking to things because I want him to be focused on on the season and and with his team. Um, but uh, you know the the first step that you do is especially with Parashelia, it's you go to Napoli say hey I want to renew the contract mm-hmm. because I need more money my salary and and you know I deserve to have better terms right that's the first thing you do. And why? And, and you know, nine times out of ten, Napoli is going to say yes. We might negotiate on on a right. salary, but they're going to say yes because they want to get you long term or or be able to give you new new numbers so that way they can sell you for more money, right? Because mm-hmm. um, your value then increases, and there's a you know, as especially with a, a longer length in the contract, now all of a sudden there's more money to have to be paid. Um, now, uh, I guess you said also, like, what are you recommending them to do? Was yeah, what do you also part like, of the question? Yeah. Okay. So I think you always want to try to have your trajectory go up, point it mm-hmm. up. So, like, from Napoli, what is the next step? Obviously, like, players like Varagelia, there's definitely going to be a lot of teams that historically win Champions League that are going to be interested in him. Um, uh, I know a lot of people when they want to look at players, they want to see more than one year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people that I like to see the second year and the, you know, being able to to continue and do what you know what you have to 
what you have to do for for two years in a row, you know, or at least for a, a certain time frame. So going back to that, yeah, like Faraj Elia, he's going to have his whatever choice that he wants. He's going to say, okay, I want Real Madrid. I want Barcelona. Whoever can pay for him, they'll be able to. Now, the, the question comes down to Napoli at that point, because Napoli might say, hey, you know, we didn't spend much money on you. I can, you know, I feel like I can bet, uh, you know, my horses that you're going to be just as good next year and I'll get double what I can probably get this transfer or, you know, more money than what I can get this transfer session. So that will be more of the conversation to be had with with Napoli. And I think with, with Parashelia, especially if Napoli wins the Scudetto and they're in Champions League again next year, like I don't see him wanting to push out. It's not like right. he's going to miss out on Champions League or the team is not looking like they're, they can repeat next year or, or be a, comp- you know, a competitor next year. Um, but definitely if there's an offer, he's going to want a, a renewal or more money. Thank you. Thank you for shedding light on that. Cause it's, it's something that you like, you always suspect you always like to get the expert insight uh, on that sort of thing. Cause you know, Twitter will tell you otherwise, um, mm. but you know, it is interesting to see because I, as we speak, Milan is uh, currently in negotiations with uh, Rafael Liao. We hear Inter is, they don't know what they're going to do with Lukaku. Uh, and again, by the time this podcast airs, this will all be resolved, but it is interesting to see that, Hmm. You know, like these star players, these guys are essentially the faces of the team could potentially go. And we know that that's been a thing with AC Milan in the last few years. Uh, we just uh, heard that Rabio is going to leave Juve for free yeah, at the end of the year. So there's another one. Like it's, it's, it is something that if the club plays hardball enough and the player just says, well, I'll just go and you don't make anything no matter how, you know, what my time is valued here, does that also play a factor into it too? Like how the end treatment is in those final months, final season? Yeah, it's definitely something that that the teams have to think about. I mean, with Quarashelia, you know, I pinpointed the fact that he just signed with Napoli. Right. So like he he has, uh, I don't know exactly how many years, but he's going to have time on the contract. Whereas Rabiot that's ending this year or even Leao that next year, is going to be his last year and he could potentially leave for free. You have to make that decision as a club to say, hey, um, you know, we have to either one, sell you, or we have to compete with a with a salary. You know, it's so hard to be able to keep, a, a, you know, a layout or even Inter's losing screen yard. Right. right? That's a, yeah, you, can't, a, yep. you, you, you can't compete with a PSG or these Premier League type salaries. You know, Italy, you know, you don't make enough money as far as revenue is concerned to be able to maintain those type of players. So you're, you're left that, you know, with making these tough decisions and trying to figure out like, uh, you know, will you accept less just because you love Milan? And, you know, there's times that a, a player would, you know, and, and there's times that a player is going to say, hey, listen, I need to get what's, you know, the most that I can for myself as well. Um, so obviously as the player and, and as an agent representing a player, my, you know, sole goal is to make sure that he's satisfied mm-hmm. and then he's he's my client. I, you know, represent him. So I'm going to give him the best opportunity. Right. Then, you know, like I said, every every agent is different. You know, you might have the agent that just looks at the numbers and say, hey, you have to go here because you're going to make a lot of money and who cares about the rest? Or, you know, I always try to value the project. I think the project is so important. Um, you know, Leao is a star on Milan. He's going to be that center part of that project. If he goes to, let's say, a Chelsea, 
or Man City, he doesn't become that star player anymore. Is that does that change his outcome or is what is you know what he's able to produce, so on and so forth? You know, there's a lot of things that you have to kind of evaluate when you're when you're looking to make that that transfer. Um, obviously, when you're dealing with these high end players, it's a lot easier because they're already doing it at a high level. You know, chances are they will be able to replicate or, or or do something similar in another league. But, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are off the field that you have to recognize. You know, if if you don't like the cold and you don't like rain, you know, England might not or Scotland might not be right, right for you. Right. And there's been a lot of cases where Brazilian players go to Scotland and they're miserable and they leave in six months. Um, so these are all things that people don't don't realize. But, you know, I have players from Serie A that have said no to, to MLS that we were very close to making it happen mm-hmm. because the wife didn't want to raise kids in, in America. Wow. You know? So there's things that, you know, uh, happen that aside from money and aside from, uh, you know, leaving a, a club, there, there's a lot more f- that that's underneath. There's a lot more factors that, that are involved. So it's, it's, it's the iceberg where you're only seeing the tip on like whatever the, you know, whatever the end result was, but at the bottom of the ocean, there's this giant, you know, floating stone that we're not seeing. That's kind of what it sounds like. Um, exactly. It, to me, again, it harkens back to the great Jose Mourinho comment on how he swayed Tammy Abraham to take less money and go to Roma, which is, do you want to sit on a bench in the cold or do you want to win in Rome in the sun? Which is, genius it's this is why like you know he is who he is and Mourinho made his mark at Inter this is this is how I transition really shitty transition but this Mourinho made his mark hey Mourinho Mourinho is a special one so he is the special one he brought us he brought us we were you know to the to the promised land with the tripleta I just mentioned the only Italian team to do it you know yeah Uh, (laughs) hey look and it it's 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 such a historic feat and he did it with a club that didn't really have super they had superstars but didn't have the superstars their opponents did going into that champions league final um you know the fact that like diego melito is the reason why you have that champions league trophy is amazing it's it's brilliant mm-hmm. but that is a testament to pata inter a team of high highs interesting lows and something going on in between why can't the, as, as I, this is not a video podcast, but Peter has just rolled his uh. eyes, shook his head, not at me, <laughs> but at the but at the idea of what it is to be an Inter fan. Why can't this club ever find stability? And as we're hearing now, like this team won Scudetto two years ago, officially marking the end of Juve's epic nine-year reign of terror. But rumors are swelling that they have no money now. You know how can they even find themselves in this financial quagmire? Uh. No, don't get me started. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 hard. It's hard as, as an Inter fan, you know. And that's why it's it's so great uh, when you win. There, you know, there's a level of ecstasy that 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 you know rivals none. Um, <laughs> but it you you know with Inter every year you you're kind of left baffled. Like you don't know what you're gonna what to expect. You like you're scratching your head half the time when when you think there's a for sure win. Uh, chances are it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, jokes aside, Mourinho, going into the Mourinho, Mourinho uh, is a great coach. And I think what you said about him being able to persuade Tammy Abraham, I think there's only, there's very few coaches that are able to do it. Obviously, you know, the son and 
and being a Roma legend can can obviously can get a lot of people's uh, attention. But Mourinho is the one that attracts players. Players want to play for for him, and I think uh, that's what he was able to do with with Inter, where the culture was right. Because even with Inter, like we said about Napoli, you know, it's us versus the world. We always looked as that you know black sheep in the family, where Milan and Juventus are the are the promised uh, children, I guess, the golden child uh, of Serie A. And you know, he was able to to get a good group of guys that. Obviously, won five straight or four straight Scudetti at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was like either we win it now or we'll never have the opportunity because the cycle was going to end. And he was the right person to be able to get there. And, you know, uh, he won the Scudetto the first year that he was there. And then the second year, he won the, the treble. Um, but going to Inter, I mean, we have these financial problems right now, and it's, and it's very sad because after what we were able to do with Conte to win right. the Scudetto, I felt like we had a great um, you know foundation to be able to build upon. And what do you do? You you know you get rid of Lukaku and you get rid of Hakimi. You know two of the better players or best players of of that Scudetto winning uh, team. Uh, Conte complaining, wanted out, and he eventually leaves. So like we weren't able to really build on it because I I really wished we had that other year with Conte. Right. I'm not right. um, you know I'm, he he's a great coach. He doesn't have the 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 greatest tactics. It could be boring at times, but within Italy within a, within a you know Scudetto race, I would bet on on Conte. He's the guy that knows how to win the Scudetto. For sure. Champions League, not the guy. But for <laughs> for us to be able to win the Scudetto the second year and really solidify that group, the mentality more than anything else would have changed the outcome. And I really wanted that second Scudetto. Like last year would have been number 20, right? Right, So we would have gotten that second star. Um, We had the opportunity to do it because we were ahead, you know, for a while. I know there was ups and downs throughout the whole season between Inter and Milan, but Inter had the better team like on paper. And then even – Throughout the season, like they played well, just that ending, it was it was just terrible to to see the the collapse of Inter last year, and then, and and obviously the fashion that it happened. Mm. Um, obviously, we needed to win the game versus versus Bologna, but uh, you know for that goalkeeper error by Radu, it kind of just put that that last uh, nail in the coffin for Inter and and their Scudetto dream. I was actually there. I was in Milan the last yeah. day, the, la- the last day of the the. Scudetto race, I guess. Um, wow. Because I happened to be in Italy, and I was like, you know what? You, you never know. What happens if Milan slip up and I'm there to <laughs> Hey, look, against Sassuolo, historically, that's yeah. a team that has killed us. That's, you yeah. know, it's the coach killer team for us. Yeah, so it was it was the only unfortunate thing that in the first half, I think I ended 3-0 or so. I forgot exactly the number. So already the Inter fans knew the result. The players knew the result. So it was kind of just a you know, kind of celebrating the year saying, Hey, you know, you know, good work and we'll get them next year. Uh, and then obviously this year, Napoli is just unreal. So, you know, that hurts. And then the financial problems that we're having with, you know, with the ownership, are they for sale? Are they not for sale? Um, you know, he wants too much money to, to sell the team, especially if we're a team that has so much debt. Um, so like, a lot of bad financial decisions. 
you know, we find out this past week that we didn't get one arrow for a, a jersey sponsorship. Right. You know, when you're Inter, you're telling me you didn't have a contract that had them pay up even 10%, 25% of the contract for digital bit. Like, right. that, I, I just don't know what happened there. Um, and yeah, there, there's serious, there's serious financial problems, and 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 you know we're losing out also on Skriniar without even making a dollar on him. So uh, I I really don't know what what more to say with this team. We're, we're gonna have to kind of look into our primavera, I think, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm a little upset because we we've been able to produce these younger players for other teams or even have these guys playing. Give them the chance to to play. I know Carboni has been coming in. Um, you know, at stints, but give these younger guys some some chance. Let's see these guys in action, mm-hmm. um, because we're not going to be able to to outspend somebody. So we have to do a great job in scouting. We have to be able to to get these smaller, I guess, uh, diamonds in the rough, right. uh, in order to in order to compete. So I look at this as twofold. One, that's the logical approach. That is the how do you put it? The Atalanta model. Where it's we're gonna do the best scouting we can to create a a team, but into their expectations, there's a weight to that jersey versus Atalanta, and unfortunately, there's even more of a weight, obviously, than Napoli. You know, you can go to Napoli and you get third place. Hey, you're gonna celebrate as if you just won Scudetto, but into you, you you should be winning, mm-hmm. um, especially when you have a roster that includes Barella. Uh, Bastone, uh, Lotaro Martinez, and so on and so forth. Uh, Gosen, speaking of Atalanta, mm-hmm. brilliant side, brilliant, truly. Like, and I and I don't want to get it twisted. Like, I need Inter to do well because I have this bizarre theory that one team pushes the other mm-hmm. in that stadium. If Inter does well, it lights a fire on the Milan, and vice versa. It, it's mm-hmm. it, there's there's that sibling rivalry, maybe because they all share the same bed in the San Siro. Uh, we don't know for how long, if they will ever get a new stadium, who knows? Mm. That's a whole other issue. That's a whole other podcast. But the ownership likes the flashiness. They like the big name players, of course, but they keep writing checks that they can't cash. So there seems to be almost like a schism in the what is going on in the office of Inter Milan. Of course, you and I don't work there. We don't know. But that's what it appears on the outside, where it is. The logical step is do the Atalanta Napoli model. Amazing scouting. Let's find these diamonds in the rough. But the ownership wants we're going to re-sign Lukaku. We got to go get Denzel Dumfries. We got to get X, you know, huge player from here or big name player from you know this German side that could really explode. Sign them, get them, and that's it. Um, I think the smartest thing they've done since Conte left was signing Onana. I mean Ajax, of course, breeding ground, but that's mm-hmm. kind of it. Um, you know, how does this make you feel that this is, there even doesn't even seem to be a direction and Zaghi is just kind of dealt with what he's given and that, and he's doing a hell of a job too. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think it stems from the top. Any, anytime you see a successful team, you know, it always stems from the top and, and, you know, from, from your president, the owner to, you know, the kit man, everyone's got to be on the same page. Um, I've often said that Inter lack, you know, that, uh, face of the franchise, someone that when tough times come on is always going to be there defending the team. Um, I thought Zanetti would be that person, 
And I just don't see it all the time. He kind of comes in at times. There's too many heads, right? You have Marotta that gets on it, then Auxilio every once in a while, then Zanetti. There needs to be one guy that's there that's going to deflect and, and fight off every, uh, you know, attack on Inter. Uh, as as you know, a, a parent would do with their with their child, right? Um, that that's that's the idea. Um, as far as you know, the players that we've gone after and the players that you know we want, I mean, you said it best. Your Inter, your expectations are always to win the scudetto. It's very hard to let the, the fan base know, hey, we're gonna start from scratch <laughs> after after you know we've actually dealt with that, you know, for you know, before winning with, with Conte two years ago, like we had a terrible run of, 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 uh, what, 10 years or so. I mean, you had the Ricky Alvarez, you know, the, uh, Nagatomo, all the respect. Those are not top Inter players uh, or Inter players that you, you know, you would, you would say that, uh, you know, I'm excited to go watch them play. Hey man, you know, (laughs) Gabagol was really, it's, it's, that uh, it's another anomaly that I can never figure out. But again, but yeah, uh, to your yeah. point, you're all right. Yeah. And, and so like, um, Marotta good at what he does and, and he's able to pick these, these smart transfers. We can't, we can't compliment him, you know, two years ago. And then this year say, Oh, what the, what are you doing? Um, I think he still has the project intact. I think, you know, somebody needs to come out and say, Hey, Zaghi is ours. Or, you know, like we said, there's going to be all these rumors about Inzaghi leaving at the end of the year if he doesn't, you know, uh, win the Coppa Italia or get the next round, group state, you know, next round of, uh, of Champions League. But more importantly, the sporting direction needs to be on the same page of who they're going to go after. Um, you know, last year, we missed out on Bremer. Right, right. right. And that yeah. was the major reason why we couldn't sell Skriniar. Mm-hmm. Um or we wanted more money for Skriniar because then at that point it was too late. And then when you don't sell Skriniar, you better have an offer for him that he can accept or else you're going to risk losing him for free. And that's what's happening because of, you know, being tied with the money. And then don't forget with Lukaku, granted, um, you know, he's going to make a lot more money than, than a, a diamond in the rough, but he's willing to lower his salary and, and you're going to get him for virtually – Five million dollar loan again, so like it's it's not a very expensive, uh, you know, signing or right. or or a person to keep on the squad. Um, there might be some some sales that have to be to be done, and it, you know it's gonna it's gonna hurt Inter fans uh, because there's mentions of you know mentionings of of Barella, Bastoni. These are guys that you want to keep because they're yeah. Italian, you know, for the national team, and then Barella's you know. A self-proclaimed Inter fan since a ba- since a child, like he should be the future captain. Right. You know, uh, Lautaro, these guys. You, if you want to win, you need to keep them, right? It shouldn't be that Inter are the the breeding grounds for for the you know the top teams in Europe. Inter should be the top team or one of the top teams in Europe. Um, but it really stems down to uh, ownership, understanding what needs to be done. And then I think the the bigger picture is uh, the bureaucracy issues in Italy, uh, as far as getting a stadium, as far as uh, you know, increasing visibility of of the league, and the the archaic I guess system that they have with you know how owners have to meet and all agree or how I don't know the exact word but like 
to do all these things where there should be just like a board that they can select right. that make certain decisions for, you know, the, the betterment of, of the league. And, um, you know, at the same time with the stadiums, you know, uh, I get it. You know, San Siro is a historic uh, stadium and it's, it, I don't want to see it uh, be knocked down. But in order to compete with these other leagues, you need to be able to get a new stadium. Remodel it. Make it make yeah. it the same, you know, like what Yankee Stadium did here in New York. Right. You know, they knocked down Yankee Stadium. It's a historic stadium. Um, and they remodeled it. They, they made it completely, uh, I think, I don't know if it's completely exact, but, you know, <laughs> they, they, they made it modeled after the old Yankee Stadium and they were able to upgrade everything. And why can't you do something similar with San Siro? Right. You know, to look for another area in Milan, I think it, it 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 doesn't make sense because you have a place that's perfectly situated close to Milano. You have, you know, the train that gets there, you know, access with cars, everything. The city is already set up to have a stadium there. Mm-hmm. Now you put it in a different location. Now all of a sudden things things have to change in, in as far as transportation and everything else. But um you know uh i have had these arguments with with certain people that you know they've said hey you know we can't knock down sunset i'm like okay we can't knock it down this year in 200 years are you still going to play in sunsito that's bingo what's going to happen so what's going to happen you know unless you want to just keep it as a a relic or you know a coliseum which i get that part of the the argument as well but you cannot play 200 years from now in sunsito you won't make money (laughs) I don't think you can play 200 days now from now <laughs> the way it's crumbling. I mean, I've seen the state of those bathrooms, man. Um, yeah. It and is one bar. There's one bar in the whole stadium. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Your pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 to me. You're right. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about Yankee Stadium, and I because baseball in this city, we look at our sports themes as these are all cathedrals as well. And if Yankee Stadium can be knocked down not once but twice and rebuilt. And same thing with Shea Stadium and City Field here in Queens. Um, Ebbets Field, even more historic. First black player in Major League Baseball played in Brooklyn right at Ebbets Field. And guess what? Doesn't exist anymore. There are spots of it across Brooklyn. and But you can see parts of it and things that are there in front of Barclays Center or whatever. And you can go on a nice little scavenger hunt. But if that can be done, I feel like at that point, American baseball is italy and soccer and if those things can be done here it should be done here and there and it's that's i think where the american influence for people like you and i come in where it's like well this is where you're kind of doing wrong i don't mean like you can't make as you said make a tourist attraction if you want but something else has got to go in its place like you need a facelift yeah. this is a fucking hazard at this point well what's going to happen is you're not going to be able to compete uh, yeah. we already can't we already can't <laughs> right compete, right so now you know any any opportunity to to increase revenue and having a you know a naming sponsor of the stadium um you know in in game revenue all these things people wanting to go and to the stadium i mean inter luckily have a good attendance record but in other stadiums if you don't have the experience that you want to go back or you it's it's unbelievable to be at that stadium People are not going to go. They'd rather stay home and watch TV, you know, watch the game on, on TV or, or or go to the local bar or coffee shop, whatever it is, to watch the game. Like, you need to be able to adapt, and, and these teams have to be, you know, 
it's a business in the end. You know, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but in order for it to work and in order for uh, Italy and Serie A in particular to compete with these bigger leagues or, you know, the Premier League or La Liga, you have to be able to uh, build stadiums and increase revenue. For sure. I mean, well said. It's... um. It, I don't know. It's it's that archaic mindset. And I had uh, so many people on. We've discussed this so many times and time, And everybody from different parts of the world that I've talked to about Italian football um, have all said the same thing. And it's sort of just like, well, the world is seeing it at this point. Now you only have yourself to blame if the league falls on itself. But the league, I feel, and you can tell me I'm wrong, um, is in great position in America. And that's thanks to what you and your crew in Brooklyn, New York, and Italian football TV have done. Uh, how did you link up with Marco Messina and and Mike? And, you know, seeing their success, what Marco has done with Paramount Plus, and what is that like seeing your friends do this and live their dream? And you being a part yeah. of it, too. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, Marco and Mike, they've, they've started something uh, from, from the garage, right? That's, that's the inside joke, but it actually is true. Um, and they've been able to take it to, to mainstream with with Marco, obviously, on, on CBS, on Paramount Plus, um, being able to be an analyst for Serie A. Um, and then, obviously, IFTV with the partnership with Serie A and, and what they've been able to do to just promote Serie A, promote Italian football. Um, you know, it, it came out like a just a passion project, but they've been able to really create something special. And I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm honored to even have a part in it, right. To be able to say, Hey, I'm on a podcast that so many people listen to, um, and that I have an opportunity to talk about, about the game and, you know, do something that, that I love and, and have fun with, you know, I, I say it all the time, like Marco and Mike, those are the guys that are working nonstop, yeah. uh, for IFTV. I'm, I, I get to to show up at the podcast, have a coffee, play a little foosball, and just start rambling, you know, talking about what's going on. But obviously, even with what you're doing with Curva Mundial, you know, to be able to prepare, you know, do the editing, have the podcast running, like it takes a lot of dedication and and it, and, it, and time, right? So, um, you know, going to how we met, I mean, I knew Marco, uh, even with his father, Gaetano, for mm for a while like you know within the soccer community um but what got me onto the podcast was the fact that they needed somebody to represent inter right they had marco that was juventus antonio was milan and they said hey why don't you come on and talk a little bit about inter and then from there uh, i even remember it like um you know a lot of comments they, they were like oh who is this guy sounds interesting or it's great you know get good insight or we like him yada yada and then i kind of became a a mainstay on the on the program um and listen uh, you know iftv's purpose was uh to give you know italian city op fans that maybe didn't speak it don't speak italian but are still very very close to their roots and close to their teams because of their father because of their grandfather um and when you had to get information about what's going on, either you had to, you know, kind of, there was no Google Translate, or there probably was, but like you had to Google Translate right. the Gazzetta dello Sport to be able to understand the transfers and 
and what needs to be going on. Whereas IFTV, we're giving you the instant, you know, news in English. And you think it, it's it's so simple, but yet Serie and Italy never did it. It's like never did it. That's why also within the United States, you know, they kind of fallen behind the Premier League. Obviously, Premier League has the advantage because it's English speaking, right. but La Liga and and Bundesliga and what they've been able to do to promote it here in the U.S. Um, but listen, you don't have to be the first. I think. Italian cuisine has proven that, right? We didn't we didn't invent noodles, right? <laughs> but everyone loves pasta and spaghetti. So <laughs> um, you don't have to be the first, but you gotta damn right get to work and start knowing how to how to cook or, or, or get you know get to the point and, and start promoting your, your league the right way. So that, that's it. You're gonna uh, have to chop a few it. onions and cry, but guess what? It's gonna taste real <laughs> sweet in the end. That's it. Oh, that is, uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's, I've equate, I equate IFTV to sort of like the sports version of Howard Stern's show in the nineties, uh, my, minus the sex, obviously, but it's like, you got this crazy caravan <laughs> of, of guys and goofballs that, uh, and I mean that as a term of endearment, because everybody brings something different. Everybody brings a different perspective. And but the thing is, is that like Howard, he influenced a generation of disc jockeys and people that wanted to get on the radio. I thanks to what Marco and Mike and the rest of what you guys have done on that team. I see more and more accounts to now on social media to talk about the beauty of the culture that we have been born into and blessed to be part of. Um, I it's it's awesome and i'm and i'm really excited to see and interview and speak to people that are just doing the thing that it just seems so as you said it seems so easy just translate it or if you can or just you know pick up your phone and do it it's this idea that you're going to fail but and you're going to fail publicly but you got to try and if you surround yourself with good people like you, you all have i mean the possibilities are endless and I know I called Inter Pazza Inter, but speaking of Pazza, I I had the chance to meet Antonio a few years ago. He invited me on the, <laughs> he invited me on the podcast, mind you. I have never he's never since confirmed the invitation, so I'm putting him on blast now. We'll we'll have to fix that. We'll have okay. to fix that. <laughs> but Anto really is as wild of a person as he is in the video. Oh, yeah. But like, what's it like for you to keep your composure? Because Peter, you're very calculated. You're very composed. You're very calm. You're the you're the anti anto. Uh, what's it like for you to try and keep a straight face <laughs> on camera, or just like try and do something, and not just like, oh my goodness, you know? Because he he's a wonderful character and he's perfect. He's made for television, or as we discussed earlier, maybe not. He might get thrown off. We don't know. He's made but for social media. Let's that's social it. Media. He's made for social media. <laughs> but what's that like for you? Just like being around that and just you know, again, another guy from the neighborhood. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it's it's a lot of fun to get on the podcast. Like I said, it, it's easy when you don't have to do the editing, don't have to prepare, <laughs> don't have to really get into it. Like our preparation is is what I'm used to doing in the morning, reading all the information and kind of uh, getting all the information that I can and, and, and be able to use the podcast as, as my way of, of kind of expressing my thoughts and then also a little bit of output from what uh, you know, what I've been able to read or gather from, from, from other professionals and people's thoughts. Cause I think in the end, like even what's great about the podcast is, um, you know, you see everyone's perspective and you kind of get another point that maybe you didn't, you didn't think of. Right. 
Um, you know, obviously with Antonio, he has his uh, outlandish moments. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I know where he's coming from right. already and I know who he is. So, like, he's he's such a, a good guy. Yes. So, like, even when he jokes around and when he says things, like, it's true. He thinks that way. I'm not, I'm not going to put it in any other different way. But he just he he just loves it, and and he and he uh, he really uh, eats, breathes uh, soccer, football, culture, um, and like if he had the option, he would literally uh, live at the studio. You know, uh, he wouldn't even have to shower if he if you know he would just stay at the studio all day, sit on the couch and and on the podcast and like just record for hours. I mean, I don't know if you get a chance to see. He has his also his other account with IFTV Antonio. Oh, uh, I, I'm a deep yeah. follower of that. Okay, deep. there you go. Yeah. And so, like, he also sent. We have a group chat on on WhatsApp, and and he'll send like little videos of him in the car explaining the breakdown of the game or whatever's going on. And it's like, Antonio, no one asked you to, to send these things, but he'll do it anyway because he just that's he loves it. He's engulfed in in it, and he he needs to it needs to be able to. To express, you know, express himself and and let us know what what his thoughts are on the game or or what he's feeling at that moment. Um, so, you know, he like I said, if he was, he would be a real star in social media. He already is, I think. Yeah. For his age, like if he was this generation, Generation Z or whatever you call it, X Y Z, he would he would really soak in in social media. He would do a great job. Oh, um, for sure. You know uh so it, it's 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 fun being able to to work with a great group of guys like we're all you know friends at the end like mm -hmm. you know antonio might be i don't know 20 30 years older than me but you know we we bond and it's fun to hang out with each other as well um and then we have that one thing that that we love even though he loves milan i love inter right. you know it, it's still over culture like we're breaking bread over culture um and, you know, just to, as a side note, also, as you mentioned, as far as, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of people that are following IFTV because of uh, the English language and being able to, to, you know, read the news articles, like even for, for me, you know, growing up, even though I was able to speak Italian and even with my parents and my grandparents understand Italian, you know, growing up here, I didn't really read Italian. Right, so yeah. like you, you're able to make it. And uh i actually was able to I, I learned how to read by buying the gazette de los sport when i would i would go to italy in the summer and every day would you know either go to the bar to read it or or um buy it and and start reading because we had a my my mom's house or my grandmother's house it was an old house no no tv like basic so i would have to read the gazette and know, you know, about the transfer news in the summer. You know, Inter was buying this player, Juventus was buying that player. There was the whole sheet. So, like, through sport, I was also able to, um, you know, learn a language. And so, I always That's think that awesome. there's, always, there's always something that you can learn. And uh, as you said before also, like, you know, it gives me goosebumps even to think that I can inspire somebody to, to get on a podcast or, you know, talk about calcio. Um, but I'm, you know, a big believer in, in doing what you love, you know, maybe you can make a career out of it. I'm lucky enough to be able to make, you know, a career out of it as a soccer agent, as a, you know, working with, with different players and, and working in the sport, but even just being able to, 
to kind of have fun with it, to, to have a, a project, to have something mm-hmm. that you that you're passionate about. It doesn't have to be cultural, right? And and you go with it because you never know what it can what can happen, you know. And you never know who you're gonna meet. And I think sometimes those experiences and and being able to you know connect with somebody, you know, on 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 a same idea or on, on a project, that there's no better feeling. Absolutely true. So well said. And as you said, you've also made a career out of doing what you love. How does someone become an agent, a specifically a soccer agent? And what does that entail in 2023? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, but anything else, and a lot of people say it, when, when you're passionate about something, it doesn't feel like we're like the time flies in a sense. Like at a point it's like, Oh my God, it's already 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You know, I gotta, I don't know what's going on or I already, I can't send uh, I can't call this person. I can't call that person. I have to wait till the next morning. Like I, you know, we joke, but my partner and I, who actually he's in Queens, well, he's moving soon, but he's in Queens right now. Um, uh, We joke, but it's true. Like we look forward to, to a Monday. Like we, we love being able to, to, to work and, and being able to work on these projects. That's how we see it. Like our, our players are our children. Mm-hmm. You know, we're working on a project where we're a young agency. Um, so we actually started in 2019. So you so started this yourself. Yes. Yeah, so, wow. I mean, to go, to go to the whole uh, situation. So I, I went to law school. Okay. Uh, right out of law school, I started working for, uh, I guess, a boutique Italian law firm in New York. And at the same time, I've always had in my in my head to to work in sports, work as an agent, right? Um, at the time when I was in law school and working at the law firm, I also worked for, uh, I guess, a local team here in New York that would create, uh, that would put together a select team to play in the Viareggio Cup. Okay. To play play in Italy. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to become the, the general manager and then from there kind of made my connections with different sporting directors in Italy, different agents. So I got a little taste of, of, uh, of the party, right. Of, mm-hmm. of what's going on. And, and then from there, you know, we, you know, my, uh, my partner now, uh, he was my then scout for the team and, and we able to say, Hey, you know what, let's just, let's just start something. And let's see where, where it takes us. So we originally started out just as intermediaries. Wow. So what, what that means is, you know, you represent other agents, you know, looking to you know break into the United States market. Um, so like we work with some historic agencies, um, some historic agents, you know, like Pastorello, Vigorelli, um, Sergio Berti. So like one of our, our first players that we, we represented for the U.S. market was, uh, uh, Ricardo Montolivo, wow. Daniel, De Ro- Daniel De Rossi. Wow. So, you know, a lot of these connections were, were made through, you know, cold calling, you know, cold emailing, uh, reaching out, trying to figure out, can I get his number? Can, you know, talking with journalists, talking with different people to, to try to see if there was a connection. Um, and then from there, uh, we were able to uh, merge with a with another agency that had other sports, and then just you know obviously we had COVID that kind of interrupted a lot and had to change the way that we went out and scouted or or even being able to meet players right. and meet parents and and 
and work really because it's a job where you have to be you know you know in the air on the ground running around you know um so from there uh we just recently my partner and i just recently uh opened our own agency and we went back to that uh you know full ownership of the agency where we have um i would say around 18 players that we represent directly right now uh mostly in the united states with an mls usl mm-hmm. and then um some players within like the youth ranks italy obviously giuseppe you know with with spal and then uh, you know different players that we're able to co broke with uh with different agents on the intermediary side as well to try to bring them into the mls market wow first off our good that's this is awesome like that's this it. is like such i mean again you do it an inspiring hobby and now you have an inspiring story <laughs> in your career I, peter did we just become best friends i mean i don't know like it's um it's it's like this is like better than any ted talk because it's like you're doing it for the thing that you love because you because you love it and you know and you and you get excited by it not many people can say that about their job but again like you get a client like as you said Daniel De Rossi you get a client like uh, Giuseppe uh Giuseppe Rossi let's use him as an example which uh yeah. you know just re- re-signed with Spal who I just had Joe Takapina on for last season on the podcast nice. um Joe's a great friend great guy and you know he gets excited about Giuseppe. I think like every Italian American gets excited about Giuseppe Rossi, and you can't not. And but Giuseppe Rossi is a seasoned player, and now for him to put his trust in a boutique firm like yours, how does that make you feel? Like yo, like I know I'm good enough to represent you, Giuseppe. But there's a legacy here. You know, you're not just you're not just some guy that played for had one great season. No, you're a legend, man. Like, mm-hmm. and you're trusting me. Like, how did like when that conversation starts? Like, I don't want to use the word starstruck, but like, do things like that like go through your head? You know, there is obviously a very mature level of here, but like, you got to get excited by it, right? Uh, for sure, for sure. I mean, w- w- just the thought of being able to speak with Giuseppe initially, I was, I was like, oh my god, I- I'm like you said starstruck but more so just like excited like oh my this would be amazing right to be able to work with him um we had the op- you know I, i i really think that even like with soccer players right no time there's no there's nothing that really says okay you know you have to be 25 you have to be 30 you have to be this age in order to to, to be good at what you're doing or in order to start right um i would lie to you right now to say oh you know when i first started i knew everything right it, it's impossible so you have to start somewhere and at the same time with, with giuseppe i think what what was able to what we were able to do was work hard for him i think that's one thing as a boutique agency right we, we have to work really really hard to be able to compete versus these colossal agencies because you have especially in the united states you have these really really big agencies and they're like superpowers and we're you know these little crumbs we'll use the antonio example we're the crumbs on the <laughs> on the table on the floor um but what what we're able to do we can go pound for pound with with these bigger agencies because we know uh what it takes to work hard i think from you know mario's my partner mario di marco you know like our background we're we're from immigrant backgrounds 
hardworking, uh, you know, backgrounds. And, you know, nothing was given to us. So, like, we're going to go for everything and, and we make sure that we do our best, right? Uh, I think there's certain things that, that we look at and we say, hey, you know, um, what would I do if, if it was me or if it was my son? And, and that's how we look at it with, mm-hmm. with a lot of our players, you know, who are, are younger than us, right? With Giuseppe, it's a little bit different, right? Because Giuseppe is older than me. Um, you know, so it was more so it's a different relationship between a younger player and an older player. And we had the opportunity to work with him and we brought him to the MLS. We brought him to Real Salt Lake. Wow, you, you broke that deal. Wow, so, that's incredible. Yes, wow. Yes. So we brought him to the MLS. And then, uh, you know, eventually last year, even with Spal, with, with Taco Pina, um, you know, Giuseppe had also a relationship with, with Joe. Mm-hmm. So it made it easier to to work out and and it was a good opportunity for him to get back into into italy and uh, back into europe and um you know he he was a, a vital player for the for the team last year yes. uh, where he scored three goals and was able to you know keep the team up in Serie b right now you know uh, as we're on the podcast they're going through a relegation battle but i think with giuseppe uh and his ability you know they should they should be able to to stay safe and, and stay up in, in Serie b where they where they deserve to be because you know like you said Joe uh, Takopina uh, is very passionate about foul and about the game and you know he has this project that he wants to be able to build so uh, it's only right for them to stay and Serie B is a, is a tough dude is a tough it league. is um, I, I can't get over it. like I feel like by far and large and I talked about this with Joe I think it's the toughest league in the world and that's mm-hmm. like not because like oh I'm Italian and the no, like it's like every game matters, and that's not hyperbole. That's not exact. That is like you can live and die by a goal or a win. You know, yeah. it's it is insane. The the only I guess I would say that Serie B and Championship because Championship there's a yeah. lot of money yeah, on the line, yeah. um, so they're all spending every money. But Serie B, like the the level of play, the difference is very very minimal from the top to the bottom. And like you said, any team can can go out or, or lose a game, you know, and, and every goal counts. So that's why, like, with Giuseppe there, I think it's, you know, an added level of experience, someone in the locker room that, that's been at the top level before. And, you know, a lot of people, or if you had the opportunity to meet with Giuseppe, he's, he's such a humble guy for what he's been able to do. And, um, you know, he, he'll take the younger players under his wing and he'll kind of be able to to give a little bit extra, you know, within a game or even on the field or at, at practice. Um, that's that's so important. You know, you need that level of experience to be able to to go ahead and, and win a game or, you know, obviously stay up in their situation yeah. that, that they're in right now. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an opportunity to, to work with Giuseppe and we've been really, really happy to, to be able to work with him. And, and obviously, uh, you know, he's he's a living legend for us uh, Italian-Americans, um, you know, I remember I was in high school when he was in the Confederation Cup. So um, it, w- it was amazing. Obviously, you know, a lot of Americans might see him in a different light. And I think, you know, Giuseppe is going to be able to, to tell his story and, and I think change a lot of people's perspective because I think a lot of people don't even know who he is or, or right. his decisions and and. And there's so much, like like you said, you know, you only seen the tip of the iceberg. There's there's a whole other part that that still needs to be un, un, uncovered. 
he's he's someone I've met, and because every summer he would play at the Steve Nash Showdown in Chinatown, mm-hmm. he would draw the biggest audience of people to sign autographs afterwards more than steve nash more than chris mullen at some point uh <laughs> yeah ted lasso you know uh, what's his face uh jason sudeikis dressed up as ted lasso one year um but giuseppe had a line every year and steve nash has even tweeted about it um and i think that's a testament to just like how popular he is here but i I've never been one to say like, oh, you did something wrong. Cause I think like if I was in his shoes, if I have the opportunity, yeah, of course I'm born in America. Yeah. It's a great country, you know, but what my gateway drug to all of this is being Italian. I can't fault him for doing what he did. And I don't think anybody should, his decisions is his decisions. And if he's happy with it, then who are you to judge? Like, that's the other thing too. And like, he can like, I know he's like come under fire, I guess, like, because he has uh, mentioned about, um, the wrongdoings of like how American soccer is run on a national level. Um, And he can still have comments about that. Like two things can be true at once. Like I wanted to play for Italy and I still have a lot of feelings about, you know, the U S soccer federation should be better. It should be, you know, an elite federation, not just something that only Americans get excited by. Um, So I'm really excited for him to tell his story one day and please keep me posted about that. I'll definitely keep you posted. And yeah, there, there's a lot of information that, that he has uh, or even that I think people would would love to hear in, in his decision or his reason for his decision. But, uh, you know, I can speak for myself, as you just said, like us, you know, growing up, you know, uh, soccer, if you were a soccer fan, you were a second class citizen. You were looked at as, as if, oh, well, I don't know about you. You know, like weirdo. Not, yeah. Not, yeah. So, um, our love for the game really stems from our relationships with our parents or with our grandparents, and um, you know, when we when we would you know support a team for for the World Cup or for any event, it was always Italy. You know, we always saw Serie A. Like I know a lot of my friends that are Serie A fans. They don't. They still don't watch MLS. Right. You know, and yeah. even, you know, and the, and I tell them all the time that so the quality has gone up and, you know, the level of play and, and you know, it is a, a good league. It, mm-hmm. You know, is it a top league? No, but it, it's a growing league. And I think if you live here, you should be uh, following it. I'm not saying you have to be following it religiously, right. but try to tune in because there, there's there's some good players. And even, you know, there's been a lot of investment, everything that we've kind of discussed on the podcast and been upset about uh, in terms of, of Italy's lack of investment. It's the complete opposite here. Um, and like the stadiums being built and, and the infrastructure of, of the, of the, the training facilities are, are just unreal, unreal. So, um, you know, going to that point, like we're, we're in that middle round, uh, middle ground as far as being Italian American. So, we're we're too American to be Italian, and we're too Italian to <laughs> yes, be American. Yes, so yes, like yes. we're in that that point where you know, especially for Giuseppe, um, you know, he he is as much of an Italian as he is an American, and he has the right to to say what he has to say when it comes to the American Soccer Federation and the Italian Soccer Federation, because he is uh, you know Italian American, and and he has oh and he, he's always said like he has an interest like he wants to see the u.s succeed there's no there's no oh you know you're a traitor these, these are things that 
are kind of invented or even you know created just out of animosity and out of out of anger and frustration because let me tell you and and i said it i don't know if you know wayne do you know wayne i had wayne on the podcast yeah Yeah, wayne wayne is a great guy he is a guy i was just i was just on his his podcast and and i said it and i'll and i'll say it again you know giuseppe rossi within these last you know 10 or so years that italy kind of been up and down and we don't know what the hell's going on He's he would have been, he's the best player to play for that this generation of Italian of Italy, okay? And you know it's unfortunate that we didn't get a chance to see it right. with his injuries, right? Um, but he is he's the he would have been and is the best Italian player. And you know what's great? He was born in New Jersey, you know. So like <laughs> I think that's even more of a telling story and and something that you know us being from. America with Italian parts, right? As they say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have I have so much respect for for him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. It's um, yeah. It it it, it leaves me a little dumbfounded because I know like the everyone gets excited about Kristen Pulisic, and if I got to hear one more time that he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania, to Croatian parents, that's awesome. That's great. That that's Christian's decision also to play for the U.S. Um, because also Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a had a choice to play for Croatia um could have also played for Serbia um chose to play in his birth country in Sweden which again that's fine but no it's it's interesting who people thumb their nose at and that's where I get like the selective outrage is a little ridiculous let's put it that way well Giuseppe Giuseppe went to live in Italy when he was 11 years old right Ibrahimovic lived in, in Sweden so, you know, he killed Malmo and then he had to get transferred out. Right. And the same thing with Pulisic living, you know, until a certain age to then go to Borussia Dortmund. But with Borussia, he wasn't, you know, he's not eligible for for the German national team that, that I know of. You know, so there's a lot of other things that are involved that people don't know. And that and that's that's something that I think uh, Giuseppe, when he has the, the time and when he has the opportunity, he will definitely come out and say his his piece. Well, please keep me posted and uh, we'll, you know, hopefully maybe do a podcast at his restaurant. We can all, you know, nosh and, you know, discuss it. There. Sounds good. Listen, any important meeting is always over food. That's absolutely. That's, that's the only way to do business, man. <laughs> and now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from ModCup.com. Mod Cup. Drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. I have three questions, rapid-fire questions. This is the end of the podcast. We're coming up on it. I ask every guest this. These will pertain to Inter. If you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oof. Rapid-fire. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's so many good players I have to choose from. Come on, man. Uh, Ronaldo. For me, Ronaldo. The oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, he was my uh, my childhood uh, hero, and and he's just unbelievable. And you know, we get a chance to watch YouTube every once in a while, and, and it's just unreal the stuff that he used to do. So like, he would be amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, if Inter could sign one player, active player today, money is not an option. You got more money than Ronaldo makes at Al Nasser. Who would it be, and why? Uh, Mbappe. That guy. That guy. Because obviously, I said like R nine. 
I see a lot of R9 and Mbappe and his just speed and his his ability to to beat a man and right foot, left foot, like he's so intelligent. And obviously we saw what, what he did in the World Cup final, you know, the hat trick. Change a game like he, that. And change a game like that, but also turn on like that. Because <laughs> yeah. there was literally 70 minutes of where's Mbappe and then all of a sudden the guy just came and, and he and he was able to come real quick and like unbelievable goal the volley yes, i don't think yes i i would really be able to count maybe a handful of players that would be able to do it and not even just do it have is this uh pg-13 what is it i've been swearing the whole time say okay. what you gotta say man have have the balls to even <laughs> do it on the world cup final stage okay because a lot of people would have tried to trap the ball and do whatever they had to do this guy hit it one time volley unreal unreal and Still super young, still in his early twenties. Yeah. Like the, the sky is the limit with him. And uh, finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan of this game? Oof. Really killing me. Uh, <laughs> <let's see. laughs> no, I mean it has to be either the Inter Triplata or two thousand six. Yeah. So those are those are two. If I have to really choose, I'm gonna say the World Cup in two thousand six. Um, I was in in America, mm-hmm. but you know, like in Brooklyn or where I where I live, 18th Avenue. Like I never seen it like that before because I was still young. Right. In a sense, I was how old was I? I think uh, 12, 13 years old. So, dude, like, I got I, ten years on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you have hair, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. I was I was young, and that was the first time I ever saw something like that. And then just to to remember the, like the big Italian flag and everybody in the street, like literally twenty five blocks in Brooklyn were shut down by everyone celebrating. Oh. And I remember being with my family, being with my friends. You know, the whole thing was just unreal. And then like I remember every goal. You know, and then if I if I hear. Like if you go on YouTube and you just try to type in and you hear like the grosso or whatever, you know, thing that remains in your head, like you just get goosebumps. And, yeah. and it was just such a crazy feeling. And then, you know, the World Cup only happens every four years, right? So it it's it's insane to think that some of the greatest players never won a World Cup. But you only yeah. have that opportunity a handful of times. And if you don't, you know, that's why even – Right now, with with Messi, what he's able to do to Argentina, you know, it it was it was a great moment. I think for for football. Obviously, if you're French, you maybe you don't think the same <laughs> way. But but Messi being able to win the World Cup, which is you know the creme a la creme, right? Mm-hmm. The the greatest trophy that you can win in in football. Um, and for I think one of the greatest players to to ever live, do it and raise it, you know, was was a was was great you know with the cherry on top perfect peter i can't think of a better way to end it thank you so much my friend and uh let's go to villa Bate. let's go get some saint joseph pastries little espresso and uh, that's it get, keep enjoying man no no for sure thank you for having me and uh you know listen i'll come out to the queen's also there's a lot of good cuisine that we can we could try on so come on over baby <laughs> the, the door is always open that's it thanks again sal and uh grazie Thank you, prego, prego. Follow us on Twitter at Curva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.